The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. The Barkley Fall Classic, a brutal 50K, and I think calling that a 50K is... Well, it's deceiving because it's so much more than that at Frozen Head State Park. Uh, happens in September, which can be a, a decent time for weather, but most often it's hot as you know what. Our very own Jeff Stafford completed the Barkley Fall Classic 50K uh, just a couple of days ago, still pulling them thorns out of his leg. And yeah. we figured we'd do a little Barkley chat with Jeff Stafford, but we're not going to do it alone. Uh, he's legendary for the brown towels, Ben Smitherman. <laughs> Benny Brown Towel Welcome, Ben. Welcome. Joining us as well on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Welcome, Ben. Hey. You nice went to be here. You went out, uh, like, you did a little camping trip up to Frozen Head State Park. Was this the first time you'd ever experienced the wonder that is Frozen Head? Yeah, so uh, uh, my first trip to Frozen Head, and uh, it definitely met expectations. There's uh, no flat spots. It's, it's all uphill. <laughs> we parked at the bottom of the hill, and somehow we still had to hike up to the car. I'm not real sure how that happened. <laughs> it's uphill all both directions. But you camped, and you didn't camp at like the standard campgrounds. You actually, I believe you camped at the top right by the fire tower, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it turned out... Um, while I knew that uh, the Fall Classic was happening that weekend, I obviously had no idea what the course was. Uh, and our our uh, late start got us to the campsite at about 1.30 in the morning. Oh, so, wait. So you pull into Frozen Head. You pass the prison. Yeah. And you, did you bring your wife with you? No, no, no. I went with uh, another friend of mine, uh, David Kowal. Uh, who has uh, helped help get me through uh, ultras in the past? Yeah. Uh, so we he got off work. Uh, we got a late start. We got to Frozen Head at about midnight. We hiked up uh, the South Old Mac Trail uh, and uh, got our tent up. And actually, we uh, spooked spooked the neighbors. Uh, I I guess there were some folks there that were not supposed to be camping where we were camping, but their campsite was wet. Uh, and so at like one thirty in the morning, we're trying to put up tents and it was windy and cold and, you know, we were sweating from hiking up the hill and, uh, out of nowhere, this like six foot seven and a half, 297 Sasquatch pound, looking. Yeah. This giant of a man. He, uh, he, from the darkness, he says, can I help you? And I was like, in my head, I was like, yeah, man, why don't you come handle these stakes for me? <laughs> Ben's uh, like, run! Yeah. Uh, and I, I think my response was, nah, we're good. And uh, about 20 seconds later, he said, what are you doing? And we were like, we're putting up our tents. Like, what else would we be right, doing up here? Right. But I guess in his head, it was two o'clock in the morning and we had just interrupted. Uh, it turned out he was there with a couple of uh, rather nice ladies. Uh, we met him in the morning and we had yeah. a good time. It's a sure, legit somewhere. question. What are you doing? Yes. I can hear his tone of voice. Yeah. Yeah. At <laughs> two o'clock in the morning on top of this, this wind strewn hellscape that is Frozen Head. 
Uh, yeah, so that was a fun start, uh, and we got up at, at daylight, and uh, the the first person we saw, other than our friendly new neighbors, uh, was none other than uh, Laz, because the the aid station for or the the section uh, wherever their water jugs were was uh, about a hundred feet from our tents. Now I want to put this out here: you did not plan that. Not a clue. Jeff Stafford did not say like, "Hey Ben, can you uh, camp here? Because I'm going to need some extra help at this point." No. <laughs> this was no. a go into Frozen Head, and then oh my God, look! I know that elderly yeah. gentleman They're killing a lot of people so, out on the course. I know that dude. We we knew the Fall Classic was happening, uh, and so we got on, and we weren't we actually didn't think we would be able to find a campsite because I I didn't know how big the course or the race was or yeah. you know how it was going to be the first nice weather event you know weekend of the year uh and we were able to get uh, a spot and nice. we hiked right up to it and it turned out that we were right in the middle of the mess uh and so we hiked up to the the fire tower and got to see the sights from up there it was it was really a neat experience uh and on top of it i got to meet the legend himself uh he was uh having a, a sausage biscuit and a smoke and when we walked up and had a chat <laughs> now i've i've met laz multiple times jeff spent a lot of time with laz uh what was your you've only ever seen him in like the movies and such that's that's right so this was my first uh up close in person uh experience with there's no guessing who he is no, no, no. <laughs> right? There's no like. I don't. Could that? I don't know. Is that Laz? Could that could yeah. very well be Laz? I don't know. Yeah. So uh, from from through the woods, uh, from I don't know, uh, a couple hundred feet away or so, you could see a beard poking underneath a mask, and he was draped in a blanket, and you know he has a very uh, uh, unique uh, walk to him. Uh, yes. And it was like, yep, that's that's definitely. That's him. Like, what are the odds that uh, as big as this park is that we landed our tents right next to this guy? I love that your friend, it's the middle of the night and you're you, to get to Frozen Head, you have to pass a prison. Mm-hmm. And so here you are like, hey, let's go have a fun weekend of camping. And then you drive him past a prison into this very remote area of Tennessee. And the fact that he was like, oh, this sounds great. Was, oh, this is awesome. Says, I think a lot about him. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think uh, he's crazy. He's yeah, he <laughs> it, it done nothing nothing fits with this story at all, uh, except that we were both like, man, work is shit. Let's get as far away from Clarksville as we can this week. Go away, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was about the extent of what we could pull off at midnight on a Friday. <laughs> did you did you chat at all with Laz when you saw? Yeah, him? yeah. So we spoke for I don't know five minutes. Yeah, uh, and uh, I actually mentioned to him that I was going to run my first Laz race yeah. uh, next next summer, and uh, he asked which one, and I told him that we were. Uh, going to be involved in the vol state uh race and and uh, his very very poetic way of speaking he got this sparkle in his eye which i don't know if it's uh just pure masochism or what (laughs) Uh, but uh i believe his i believe the quote was something to the effect of uh you live a lot of life in those 10 days Yeah, you do. And yes, you do. I was immediately terrified. <laughs> well, I thought we could kind of, you could fill the Stafford role here because we're going to shift directions. Usually Jeff is here for bird calls. Yeah, and, and just wisdom, a lot of wisdom. Um, but I thought we could kind of turn the microphone on him since he was in the Barkley Fall Classic. And I have numerous people 
uh, you know, messaging me and saying, you got to do an episode with Stafford talking about the Barkley Fall Classic. So, Jeff, you turn from co-host to guest on this episode of The Adventure Jogger. Can I still have my beer? Yeah, you can. Okay. It's your house. All right. you can oh, have all right. Whatever you want. Okay. It's your house. So what was it? Like this year was different, right, Jeff? Because they weren't going to allow everybody right. in. And so they were... So, explain that to us. Let me give you a little background. And this is all primarily COVID-driven, okay. related, and uh, modification of park allowances and rules. So. Yeah. When, when it was all said and done, because of COVID and park allowances, rules, et cetera, they decided that they were going to cap this race at 125 people. Now, typically you have four, 450 people running this race every year, okay, from all parts of the world. Yeah. So anybody's welcome to sign up for it. If you get picked, you run it. Um, so we're capped at 125, and... Packet pickup was typically the day before an event, like yeah. any other race. Yeah. Not so this year. Packet pickup was the morning of, and it was 45 minutes prior to your start time. Yeah. So you went to this location, picked up your packet. This is the first time you see the map. Okay? So you're looking at the map, and you go, oh, shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! So and I know there's a lot of people in the parking lot looking at that map in the headlight because it's still dark at the time. You can just see their expression. Like, oh my god! Oh my god! This is going to be horrible. Now here's the thing, I, Ben. I don't know if you know this or not about Stafford, but Stafford is the one person on the planet Earth that knows the the most about Frozen Head State Park, but has never been picked for Barkley. <laughs> there is no one on Earth who hasn't run Barkley that knows more about Frozen Head State Park than Jeff Stafford. So you look at this map, it, it, it wasn't, it's, it's not a foreign language to you. Well, it wasn't foreign in that I was concerned about the routing and, and where it was going on that type of stuff. Um, I didn't have to worry about navigation per se, because yeah. I, I know the park. But just the fact that we were uh, going to go up a certain hill twice was a little intimidating, to say the least. Uh, l let me repeat what I said earlier. There are no flat spots <laughs> in Frozen Head. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you, it doesn't take much to make a race there really, really hard. No, I think a 5K would be hard there. Yes. If, if the races just stayed on the marked trails, it would still be one of the hardest ultras you could sure, run. Sure, sure. Just because the amount of climbing and yeah, ups and downs you have to do there. No flat sections. I mean, even we tried to stick to the relatively easy trails based on uh, elevation charts that we had. And I think we did, I don't know, 18 miles of hiking that day and ended up with something like 8K of vert. And we <laughs> yeah. were trying to stay away from vert. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Let's see if we take this. No, that's uphill. No, yeah. no that one's uphill too. You know, it's so funny because you see the park in the documentaries and then you go to the, the the park website and you see the pictures but it's not until you get there and go you, up one of those right, hills that you see like holy crap <laughs> like this is they, they decided like eh we're not going to take the easiest route up these up these hills we're going to take the toughest route up these mountains just, just, just go straight you know there's a little hill in Colorado I think uh, just outside of Colorado Springs called the Manitou Incline yeah and it's about 2,000 feet in in a mile ish yeah so 
Barkley has that too, but think about doing that 2,000 feet in a mile off trail. Yes. Oh, you're talking Barkley Fall Classic now. Yeah. Okay, we're going to get to that in just a bit if we can. I don't want to get you in too much trouble, but I think there's one thing that we can talk about because it was on the T-shirts, and so you know it's on the T-shirts, it's out into the world. This is a year because there's no the course is not the same year in and year out, much like the big Barkley, Barkley Fall Classic takes advantage. There's little changes of, to it every year. Yeah. yeah. But one thing they've included for a while is Ratshaw. They've, sure. they've put it in the Barkley Fall Classic. Yeah. Can I give you the the money shot, if you will, of, of the big Barkley? You had to do that twice this year. Yes, we did. <laughs> so Yes, we did. I've only seen it in the documentaries until that weekend. Uh, and so we we hiked up to the, the fire tower, and, and, and there it was. And it is... There's no way to do it justice on TV. It just, it, it, you can't, like, I took pictures of it. Pictures don't do it justice. Here's it, the thing, though. From the fire tower or even on the little gravel road looking down that set of power lines, you're only seeing one-third of Rat Jaw. There's two-thirds of it you're not seeing. Because, it's, because it turns. It turns. It, so, if you, so looking down from the tower, you, go, you would be down going left, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're if you're going downhill yeah. from the tower, you're going to go down, and it actually veers to the right. Okay, so you do that, and you so so basically, what everybody sees when they go there and check out the fire tower, they're like, "Oh, it's the legendary Barkley Fire Tower." You've only seen the tip of the iceberg. Wow, so to speak, it's it's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> we actually ran into a, a volunteer whose job was to keep people on the 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 fire or the the power line section and not in the woods uh and i guess that she had run the race in the past but wasn't running this year uh and just watching her we were talking to her on the trail and she was like all right well i got to get down here uh because i don't i don't know what time it was but i guess runners were going to be coming soon um and she couldn't find a way to get down down the slope to where she needed to be she was literally butt scooting down this hill uh and this is what people have to go up twice and back down yeah did you have to butt scoot were you doing the butt scooting boogie not, not on that particular hill but let me let me back you up again okay, to the back, back up back towards the, towards the beginning of the yeah. race so 125 people we pick up our packets you see the map you go oh shit you go over to frozen head state park to the starting area and bec- again because of park restrictions we had five flights or groups mm-hmm. of 25 okay so 25 people lined up at these little signs that are all spaced six feet apart and group one takes off, boom, they're gone. 15 minutes later, group two, 15 minutes later. So they're all staggered starts. Uh, the deal is, though, regardless of which group you started in, the clock started for you when that first group left. So the faster runners. They suck the faster runners in back? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, before I ask you the question everybody wants me to ask you, First of all, being invited to this year's Barkley and getting in was kind of a big deal because they, they picked certain yeah, people. They yeah. were kind of like they wanted people that they knew could do the or that you had to do the race before. And you had to, have, had to have completed it before. Um, I think there might have been a few exceptions to that, and those were 
strictly that's that's strictly up to the race director, but by far and large, they were all previous finishers. Did you put the fact that you were allowed into the 2020 Barkley Fall Classic, did you put that fact on your silver singles profile? I did. Okay. I did. It's I on there. I, I, did anybody respond to that I, saying, I, holy cow? They didn't like all the thorns in my ass. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is a lucky lady out there listening to this podcast right, right now thinking, Ooh, I can pick thorns out of Jeff Stafford's ass. Yes. Yes. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, message me and I will put you in contact with Jeff. I'm kind of his his agent when it comes to, yeah. you know, I got You are the ass thorn liaison. I am the ass thorn liaison and listen, I'm very picky about who I'm going to allow uh, in a relationship with my friend Jeff. You know, I'm not going to let anybody in. I, you know, we got we to put him through a screening process. Sure. You know, everybody gets to be in a relationship with Jeff Stafford. So, Jeff, which which uh, corral were you put in? How many did you say there were total? I was in, uh, he based it on previous, from what I can gather, based on your previous years or maybe whenever you finished, your, your best finishing time there. Yeah. I had a bit of a rough go last year, so my finishing time was considerably slower uh, due to cramping and some other issues, and I, and I knew going into this race, if I had a if I had a decent day and no cramping issues, I could beat that, and and I did. No, so it was it was interesting running along the course. Um, I think I stayed in the top two or three of our group that started. Which group were you in? Answer the question. Two. two. Okay, group two. Oh, two. Gotcha. Okay. Stay in the top two or three of that for a long, 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 yeah. long, long, long time. And I'm just about to bald knob, if you're familiar with that area around the frozen area. It's on yeah. the northern boundary of the park. And a guy goes literally flying by me. And I'm like, what group are you with? <laughs> <laughs> he goes, Group four. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Wow. He was hauling ass. I said, you better keep it up because five is going to be right on yeah. you. And uh, I'll tell you what, he I, he couldn't hang on to it forever. He lost it at some point. But. I love that dynamic, though, of having the slowest people start first and the clock starts on the slowest group, meaning that the people that started in the in the fifth in the fifth and final group was it? I think he. I think in the end that the times were. Adjusted, adjusted afterwards, back, okay. Yeah. But I've just you have to for placement, overall placement, right? Stuff, you know. But that's 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 really darn cool. Yeah. I kind of I kind of liked it actually. It, I it, do too. It eliminated all but eliminated the typical conga lines at the start of, of a race. Think of a race like Pinhoti, for example. Right, right. Oh. Big conga line yes, right at the beginning. We've all been there. Yes. Or, have, yes. or Superior, big conga yep. line running through. It's just crazy. all three of us have run Pinhoti. If you're running Pinhoti this year, you need to bust your ass that first get up half front. mile to yep. get to the Go. trail. Yep. You need to bust your ass, or you're going to be sprint. S- yep. <laughs> get to the front. Quick. The fastest, the fastest uh, quarter mile or half mile of Pinhoti is the first quarter half mile of Pinhoti, and yep. then they just settle in because unless you, you're a certain runner. But yeah, we, won't we won't get into that. Well, we digress. <laughs> we won't get into into that guy. So you get kind of started. You're working the course. We're not going to get course detail, everybody. So if you're one of those Barkley people looking to call Jeff out, no, no, we're not going to go into specifics. No, I'm not going to. We can't. Course. We're not going to do that. I I did, uh, and again, I don't I don't know these people. Uh, when we were when my friend and I were leaving the park that evening. There was somebody there uh, in the the parking lot we were in. And he said this was his first time uh, there. And as a a virgin, 
he was in the front group. Okay. That that yep. was. Uh, so there were, I guess, a handful of Barkley virgins there. there. And this guy was like uh, some kind of military special forces guy. He had he competed in the, the um, Fiji Eco Challenge. Like he was a legitimate athletes this just watching him stumble around because you know and nobody can walk after that race uh, but you could tell this guy was the real deal uh and he said that he hit that particular hill that we've been discussing first as being in the front group and uh it did him no favors yeah, because it, being the guy at the being the guy at the front of that line uh before anybody's touched it, it apparently makes it significantly more difficult. interesting about that hill was at some point, uh, this is the first climb of the hill, and we're about, somewhere about two-thirds and three-quarters of the way up, and we just come to a stop. I'm like, why is everybody stopping? Right. I mean, we're moving slow, obviously, because you're fighting briars and stuff, but were they trying to get autographs? Were you, yes, were you yes, recognized that's what it was. at that point? <laughs> and they're like, oh my so God, it was, it's Jeff Stafford. They heard the voice, and they're like, oh, just stop, stop. Those bird calls. No. <laughs> they knew um, it. It would come to a dead stop. And then like prairie dogs, everybody starts like standing up, poking their head right. out of the briars, you know. And I'm towards the end of it, and there's maybe 15 people behind me, and there's probably 30 people ahead of me. So, you know, like, you know, we were 45 people-ish standing there. Yeah. Well, what had, hap- what had happened was we caught the leader fighting his way through the briars. So you got... Flight one, two, three, four, and five all wadded up. Typically, the the fastest, probably yeah. the fastest of each one of those groups were up in that that group. Uh, for example, Martin Schneekloth, yeah. we had on here, he was right behind me. Yeah, and it was just, it was crazy. I mean, because you're going through on all fours, digging through a tunnel of green trying to fight your way up there. Because this needs to be pointed out that Ratjaw usually during the big Barkley. They do clear that at some point. They, I think you do it, well, clear it, it once dies or twice off. a year, right? It, it dies because you get the you get through the winter and the the snow and ice up there kind of kills a lot of it. But since this is in, in September, this it is was lush. Yeah, Jurassic Park esque. <laughs> I know the viewers can't see. Maybe we can get a photo of this. Yeah. but I, I showed Brian my shirt from the Barkley Fall Classic, and it is literally shredded. This was a brand new shirt. We're going to post that a picture of that on the Adventure Jogger Facebook page. I get you a nice Adventure Jogger shirt to run. And what do you do? You you ruin it. You trash it. We should give that away. So, anyways, the 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 course without giving you all the details of the course because you know there are people with notepads right now. Yeah, I will. I will say this: if you if you ran and completed the Barkley Fall Challenge this year, you unwittingly, for the most part completed a Barkley Challenge Loop as well. Oh, so it, okay, because the Barkley okay. Challenge Loop is, is... is It involves a lot of the perimeter trails and stuff. Right, so. and it's a 20 but So there's mile. a lot of... But there's more off-trail. Um, of, of interesting note, the off-trail was actually, for the first time, increased this year. We had more off-trail than ever this year. Really? Yeah. Yep. You figure with two, two rat jaws... Some other power line sections, another uh, section that, if memory serves me just from reading, is a section years ago that was used in the big Barkley race. We, we went down that section. So there was probably almost six and a half, almost seven miles of off trail in this year's race where typically you have four. 
And it's funny because the seven miles of off trail, what is like when you're going up Ratshaw, what is your pace for Jeff Stafford going up that? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's you're well, you're not running. I'll tell you that much. It's uh, you start somewhere near the vicinity of the the, the prison. Every year, it kind of changes a little yeah. bit, and you go up that that power line section, and it's very slow, very steep. Uh, about halfway up, about half the distance, you you actually cross an old road, and the park rangers are there trying to take care of and triage the. The ill-gotten, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> that are puking and picking thorns out of their ass and are dehydrated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and crying and bitching and whining and moaning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was me last year. <laughs> so, say, but it's, so it's half it's half the distance it's half the distance up, but only one third of the climb. And you're you get halfway and you're like, Oh, I'm halfway. Kinda. <laughs> I feel like every hill in that park is exactly that way. That the the bottom half of it seems manageable. Even the on trail sections, it all seems manageable. And then about halfway up, they they double in in pitch. Everything in that park, it is. Uh, we made the the point as we were hiking around that you know I think that there's this this feeling about the race director that he is just a terrible human that wants to put everybody through (laughs) the worst possible pain that they can experience. Uh, And I'm not so sure that that's the case. I think that the park is 90% responsible for the difficulties they put you through. I I think people that would assume that are the uninitiated. Yes. I think if you you spend time with Laz, it's not about putting people through pain. It's about setting people up to do things they never thought they could do before. Yeah. Kind of life-changing type of stuff push you to your limit and beyond yeah so to so go on jeff there's more so yeah all these uh, all these great great off trail sections i mean you're climbing up steep briar infested blah 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 one off trail section was was a nice i say a nice downhill is that does that sound right <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh extremely dry dusty loose gravel rock and you are like you alluded to earlier, you are literally sliding on your mm-hmm. ass down sections of this course because you you can't stand up. You're, you're just going to fall down. You know, there's a lot of uh, races. There's kind of this almost self-serving talk. A lot of, especially in the 50K world, there's a lot of 50Ks that claim to be the hardest 50K in the country. There's some tough ones out for, for various reasons. Uh, and I know it kind of turns into a almost the the uh, escalation. Well, we, we've got more climb. We've got right. better views. We've got this. We've got that. Because like when we developed the nuclear bomb, all of a sudden rushes in and then we've got this weapon. Then they've got two of those. And then we, it's just nonstop escalation. Jeff, you've done uh, some of the other races that have claimed to be the toughest yeah. 50K in the country. What are your thoughts on the race to the toughest? And I know Laz doesn't really throw that around a whole lot, but I know people that have run it throw that around a whole lot. Where would you put the Barkley Fall Classic against other races that are making that claim that you've done? I'm still going to say it's the toughest simply because of the off-trail stuff that you do. There are no other, to my knowledge, no other 50Ks that do uh, a running race, an ultra race that involves... You have to pay attention to the map. The course isn't marked. You gotta, you gotta run when you can. That means the flats and the downhills. I mean, you just—it's—it's it's hard. It's just hard. 
Are you allowed a, a GPS watch during the Barclay Fall Classic? You are not. You okay. are not. I think last year they confiscated uh, five, six, seven watches. Every year, people try to sneak them in, and it's just like, it, it's not going to do you any good. So, <laughs> Right. Um, ben, can you imagine the look of sheer disappointment? It would be like being sent to the principal's office when you get your GPS watch confiscated. Yeah, I... Uh... I think that if you register for one of these races, you part of the allure is that it is old school, roughing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's uh, that really seems to be part of the excitement of it. That you have to be able to navigate on your own. You have to be able to estimate how far you've gone. You have to be able to to pack in your your nutrition and your fluids. You know, like you're not a hundred. I mean, you're not completely on your own out there. But it's way more self-supporting than your typical. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. This this year in particular, again because of COVID and other restrictions, this race essentially um, they had uh, an aid station, I'll call it, but it only consisted of water. Period. That's it. No food, no chow, no nothing. You had to carry your own nutrition with you for the entire race. Okay, so that was that was pretty good, and if you didn't bring enough, sucks to be you. I mean, so you only got water at the aid stations. That was that was it. Now this race does have a, a bailout option. It but does. It's at like mile what twenty something. Well, I mean, you could technically. I mean, you could bail out whenever you want. But I mean, it's to, got a finishers bailout option. Right? It has. Yeah, you can drop down to a marathon finish. Um, but you're already at that point at what twenty something miles in, yeah. 20, 20, 24 to twenty eight ish in yeah. that range. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's your call at that point. And I think had this year been any hotter, normally this race is in the mid eighties to upper eighties, particularly during the afternoon. Had it been any hotter, I think everyone, and I feel confident saying this, everyone could have easily added an hour to their time this year. And I think you would have had a whole lot more people that would have chose the marathon option, even if they made the cutoff time, because it just it takes a big toll on your body. It's a big hit. What was weather like this year, Jeff? This year was really awesome. I mean, our start temperature was right at 50 degrees, 51 degrees, something like that. And I think the high might have got to mid, maybe 77 at the most in the afternoon. But... I'll tell you, as a runner out there, you're feeling that 77, oddly enough. But in the morning, oh, so nice, so nice. And I think that helped a lot of people this year. It really did. Well, one, one, other, one other thing before we go on that is um, I said no, you had to carry your own nutrition this year. Um, we also had no drop bags this year. Oh. Not allowed. Okay, so typically people would have a drop bag. And they'd put a luxury item in there, like a can of Coke surrounded by a block of ice or something, or a, you know whatever you, yeah. whatever you want, a hamburger or whatever. They'd put it in there. And that was also the point where if you chose, you could pick up your poles and go with that point. So no poles this year, no drop bags, no aid stations, water only. I didn't even think about that because we saw a handful of runners during the day. Uh, we actually only were on a trail with a runner one time. And I think that that was a runner that had opted late in the day to drop down to the marathon. Yeah. Uh, so we did our best once we realized kind of 
just by proxy kind of watching where aid workers and stuff were, we did our best to stay off the the sure. running section. I mean, I've run enough ultras to know that you don't want to you don't want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did our best to stay out of that. Get out uh, the way, fool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize that nobody had poles. Yeah. Well, you might have seen some people with some sticks. Yeah. I mean, you, you could pick up a stick anytime you wanted to. But yeah, so no poles. I wanted poles and I was just hiking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. To me, and Ryan, I don't know. I think you've run with poles out there before. To me, poles in, in that particular terrain are more of a hindrance when you're trying to run for time out there. There they is just get in the way. Yes, I I have a pole that is still somewhere on the backside of Bird Mountain. <laughs> Snap. uh, that snapped in half that I chucked down the mountain and said, "Fuck this shit!" And I threw it down. And somewhere on the backside of Bird Mountain, there is a carbon fiber snapped in half. Ryan trekking pole. Pack it in. <laughs> Pack it Pack out. It out. <laughs> I think Ryan just gave you the pack this symbol. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> I got a pack for you, Smitherman. Hey, old brown towel, I got a pack for you. Um, but that's incredible. What, okay, food-wise, people are, are shouting it now. They're out and they're doing their run, and they're saying, damn it, ask him what he carried for food. Oh. Don't K- let... K-Rose syrup. Yes, don't let this I, end. I'm getting there. Okay, yes. all right. So I fueled primarily... On love and affection from the yes. fans. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Primarily with liquid nutrition because you know how how you get to mile anywhere from 65 to 85 in a 100-mile race, and you're just like, yeah, I can't eat anything. Right. I just want something to drink. Well, you get that way real quick in that race because your heart rate is just pegged out from the max. So I knew it was going to be liquid's going to be the best bet. So I, I use Tailwind. I've done actually pretty good with Tailwind. And I carried some little Pedialyte packets with me. So that was my main. Uh, I think I carried three Honey Stinger, those little wafer bar things. Um, and that was it, with one exception. Here comes the secret sauce, everybody. Get ready for... I carried... I took a Ziploc baggie at home, and I took my K-Row syrup, opened it up, and went glug, 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 glug. Into a Ziploc About four glugs in a Ziploc. Yeah. Then I took my jar of honey, glug, 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 yeah. about four of those. And then I took some salt, dashed it with salt real heavily, took a spoon, mixed it all up, squeezed the air out of it, and sealed the bag, then put it inside another Ziploc bag. And you know... My plan was the second time, before ascending Ratjaw the second time, I was going to take that whole bag and down that whole bag. Ugh. Just just for the pure energy spike that it would that would bring. That, that sugar goes right yeah, into your system yeah. immediately. I'm disappointed you didn't uh, mix the and, white claw in there. Oh. <laughs> I was two-thirds of the way up Ratjaw the second time, and I went, Oh. I forgot to eat my Cairo syrup stuff. So yeah. I forgot to eat it. Well, you could have eaten it right there. I, 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 yeah, but I didn't. So, so you, you, you came home with so the Cairo syrup So I had the fuel. Bag. Yeah, I did. I had the fuel with me. I just blew it off. Do you still have it? No, I, oh, I chucked it in the trash. I was gonna, no, it's in the fridge somewhere. Gonna, <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's frozen. <laughs> I'll, I'll use it for the next race. But no, I, I still want to try that. And just my plan was just to like bite the corner of it off and just... Yeah. 
Like a, like a gel. Just take it down, yeah. Between the smither wind that you've talked about the yes. first time you were on, and Greg Armstrong opening up our eyes to this world of Cairo syrup, we are never going to get a nutrition sponsor on the Adventure <laughs> Jogger, ever. So I, Abba. I, uh, I am scheduled to run a 100-miler in a couple of weeks, and uh, I haven't completely decided if I'm going to go with the Cairo syrup uh, move or not. But I think one of my hip flasks is going to Put be filled there, yeah. with Cairo syrup and salt. And maybe, because I think a little flavor would help. Uh, no, right, yeah. anything. Something. So I may get uh, just a, a little, like uh, one of those little wa- Mio packets or something yeah, to yeah. Uh, give it okay, some yeah. flavor. Yeah, yeah. I've, I haven't decided yet. Uh, now, Ben is cheap because he's a school teacher. Yes. Jeff Stafford is cheap because he's elderly and on a fixed That's income. Right. That <laughs> When Social Security shows up, he does not want to waste that all on fancy gels and all that stuff. Why do you have to get the Kellogg's cornflakes? What's wrong with great value? <laughs> I mean, for God's sakes. A cornflake is a cornflake, right? You know, when Jeff sees something that's labeled great value, he's like, Wow. This is a great value. value. It says so right on the box. It's got to be. <laughs> can, can we all agree that the manufacturers of gels, whatever brand that you are fond of, the flavors have just kind of gotten out of hand. Like, yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. We did a whole just episode on not that. Yeah. good. No. Uh, and, and it's like playing a Russian gut roulette every time you crack open a new one. It's mm-hmm. just there's nothing worse than then you know being midway in a long run and you're like ooh what is this flavor going to taste like and it's disgusting yeah exactly i've said it before i've said it a million times i'll say it again fall and winter when it starts cuz we're we're getting you know fall here and it's getting re- i mean the temperature starting Next to drop weekend. a bit it's going to be wonderful but once we get into winter and late fall running there is no better gel than Goo's Salted Caramel Goo. This is not an endorsement for them. We've slammed them and trashed them numerous times in this podcast. They work pretty good. When we did when we did the episode where we tried their spring lineup, I knew at that point they were never going to, you know, they would never offer money for us to say anything about them, but that's legit. That They should just stop making every other flavor in fall and winter and just make the salted caramel because that is a game changer because unlike so many gels... Birthday where, cake. Right, where it oh. says on the package it's supposed to taste like this, but you're like this doesn't taste anything like that and you and you take it and you're making that sound like your dog in the middle of the night that (laughs) (laughs) salted caramel or caramel if you're fancy tastes exactly like a salted caramel or caramel if you're fancy amazing Mm -hmm. i can accept that yeah but I also think like in a hundred mile race when I'm gonna take in somewhere between six and eight thousand calories I don't think I want 60 salted caramel <laughs> gels. It just sounds, that sounds like the worst experience ever. You need some Cairo syrup. I, I think that's going to be the move. It's so calorie dense. The flavor is, it's not refreshing, but it's not heavy. It it goes down quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I think it, it sounds to me like the Bud Light of, of in energy. You know, you you take it because you have to, not because you like the taste. It gets the job done just fine. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So you'll probably have a headache in the morning, but you know what? You had a good time. Small price to pay. So speaking of fueling, and it's it's a very individual thing, as we all know. Everyone's a little different. But I went into this race and I said, okay, I want to 
intake about 130 to 150 calories per hour. And I'll be damned if I didn't take in, I took in like 1,700. So it worked out really well uh, using that liquid nutrition, a little bit of solid food I brought with me. But what really worked for me this year, as I discovered, uh, I'm a very sweaty runner. Very sweaty. Well, you where, make people sweaty too. Where, where, yeah. yeah. So to the point where when you're running, and maybe you've experienced this in the summertime, where sweat is literally squishing out of your shoes. You're leaving wet footprints when you're running. Yeah. Okay, yes. that, that's, that's a lot of sweat. So years and years ago when I started running, I took those old S caps. Mm-hmm. But I never gotten real comfortable with them or a good routine. And I'd get fat fingers You don't want hypertension. And, this, that, and the other. At your yeah. age, you don't want hypertension. But you know what? I took one. Uh, I used salt stick this year, mm-hmm. little, little capsules. I took one every hour uh, with a couple of exceptions. I, have, I felt a cramp coming on twice in that race. And both times what I would do, and, and, and hourly as well, I would take the capsule, put it in my mouth, not swallow it. I just hold it in there, and eventually you'll feel it kind of burst. Then I would just bite it and chase it with a fluid. That way that salt, when it gets into your gut, it's absorbed like immediately, and it it quelled a cramp literally within four or five minutes both times that they were, that I felt the onset. But apparently for me, I need a lot of salt. Oddly so enough, I am I am a, a heavy sweater as well, and salt is one of the things that I think for a lot of endurance athletes when they first get into ultra running or triathlon, it's not for or everybody. Um, they don't realize that if you don't keep your your salt balance right, oh, it's it will, critical. It will not only affect your muscles, but it affects your ability to to think and decision make. Like it really does have an impact. Uh, and so I am I'm the same. I take a, a, a salt cap once an hour, uh, sometimes more. If sometimes it's hot. more. Yep. Uh, you had really good weather that day, uh, so I think one an hour was probably probably good. Uh, but I'm actually surprised at how little calories you say you take in. Did you get low at all during the race? I that, never that was... felt a bonk the entire time. Wow. What What crapped out of me was just overall strength. At some point, you just you just the wheels just come off. Well, you but I did never never bonked sixty four thousand feet of vertical gain or something it ridiculous <laughs> right it's like i said it's all uphill uh, no i, I kind of uh, again and ryan knows this way back when i first started ultra running in 2014 i was intaking or trying to eat 300 350 calories an hour because that's what i thought i needed and i'd run into gut problems and this that and the other and you'd get sick and this that and finally about a year and a half ago i did some pretty intense reading on it and coupled with, at some point, you're going to slow down that race anyways. Your body's going to try to convert and do some fat burning. Sure. So I just got used to running on less calories now. What book did you read? Do you remember the name of it? Oh, it wasn't one. It was several. Oh, okay. It was a lot, a lot right. of different books. So. All right. But yeah, it was interesting to me, the, the awakening, if you will, of salt for me mm-hmm. and i'm not saying everybody needs to do that because everyone is different you have to experiment and find out what works for you and that was pretty pretty eye-opening so when at what point in the race jeff because you're you know this is a brutal 
race. You may have to drop down to the marathon again. When did you know that that 50K finish was, was going to be real? Oh, after, after the first time I made it up Ratshaw and uh, started going around to that other undisclosed downhill and uh, started back up the second time, I'm like... So I you was did two times w- in a row? Yeah. Oh, I thought you did it. You <laughs> went up, down, you went, and then you, went around. You went up. You did not come down Ratshaw. You went up it. You went... A circuitous route down a shorter trail back down to the bottom again and then right back up it again oh did you have to get like a stamp or something at the top to prove you did it twice yeah at the top of the tower you had to get a stamp <laughs> as well as the uh tub springs where laz was you got a stamp there as well you get your bib punch there huh so yeah i didn't know you had to do it two times in a row i would have assumed yeah. that no there was no spacing between it <laughs> <laughs> interesting though interesting note and i think everyone will agree with me that that ran it this year because of the bottleneck that we all caught the leaders at some point and there's because they're still fighting to get through the briars were just that intense the first time up i actually timed it the first time up took me two hours wow for, for a mile or just a hair over a mile whatever it is the second time was an hour and 10 minutes. Wow. Oh, wow. Because the trail was blazed. It was clear. You didn't have to stop. And I'm sure the, the, the faster runners, the elites, were probably an hour or, or under 50 minutes. You know, they're, they're moving up that thing the second time, I would imagine. Yeah. So it's in the bag. You so know, at some point. Three hours of your, more than three hours of your yeah. day were for two miles two miles all right that's normal (laughs) that kind of sums it up doesn't it (laughs) that's normal that kind of sums up the barkley fall classic earlier you asked what was your pace and now we can we know we can (laughs) we don't need a calculator to figure that one out it was slow let's just say overall my pace for the entire race was about i think it was about 21 minutes a mile all right Wow. Yeah. That's Absolutely not getting you brutal. into Boston. No, it's not. No, no, no. <laughs> if, if anyone was worrying or wondering, um, the Barkley Fall Classic is not a Boston qualifier. No. Not, <laughs> not yet. It might be. <laughs> they're going to get a guy out there with a wheel and they're going to wheel the course. Oh. Can you imagine the guy with the wheel oh. certifying the course? That guy's going to quit the USATF right. next week. Right. It's like uh, we're gonna. Uh, there's a guy named named Gary Cantrell wants to get a uh, course certified for a Boston qualifier. It's at Frozen Head State Park. Can you go take the wheel out there? This guy be like, what? <laughs> so I got a question for the viewers, L- listeners, Jeff, because we're not on video. Viewers, listeners, yeah, whatever. It's okay. The peep, yeah. the peeps. Yeah, Jeff's peeps. What do you do about chiggers? It's not from BFC. It's from my trail run yesterday. Oh, <laughs> I got ate up yesterday. Oh, where'd you go yesterday? Beeman Park. Okay, yeah, got tore up out there. Yeah, holy cow! Would you know any any tricks about chiggers? I uh, so growing up in the South, I've heard all the the home remedies. Um, nail polish, clear nail polish. Oh, yeah. That's the famous one. Uh, I think you just have to suck it up. Is what you have to I, do. I, I think that if you just go with the old fashioned calamine lotion, Probably. you know okay. that stuff works just fine. Uh, you know, all the old oatmeal bath tricks and stuff. I've never fooled with any of that. Vinegar. You can try a milk bath. I've seen that those are really popular with maternity photos. Have yeah. you seen? <laughs> a milk bath. Yeah. Where, where the photographer. Can I do it in chocolate milk? You can. Yeah. They do. Have you seen those, Ben? Or with, strawberry uh, milk. You can. Have you seen those? I, I don't look at the same things on the internet that you look at. <laughs> 
You should see his browser history, yeah. by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. For sure. But no, okay, so I was going to uh, go with, I wanted to know a little bit more about, you know, you, you get that in, in your head, you're going to finish, right? You make it up right oh, yeah. jaw once. Yep. I won't ask you what part of the race that was. I don't want you to get any trouble. You go up right jaw the, the second time, and then you're you're you you enjoy the rest of the race to the finish, and then of course the finish line. You see the finish line. You do, and in, interestingly, when I was running downhill, and I won't say what particular hill, with within a couple miles of the finish line, I'm running downhill, and I'm looking at my watch. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, I have a chance to make this a sub 11, which for me is a pretty pretty good accomplishment. Considering last year I was like almost 13 hours. Yeah. But I'm looking at the watch. I'm like, nah, I can't do it. And you, you go, you have this battle going on in your head. You can do it. Nah, there's not enough time. There's no way in hell you can make it. And I said, self. You're not going to know unless you bust your ass and just go for it and try. If you fail, okay, you fail. Right. So I'm running down this hill with uh, Jeff Deaton, a mm-hmm. buddy of ours yeah, from the Nashville area. Yeah. And we're running together, running, together, running. And he, we finally get down and we hit the paved road. We're on the final mm-hmm. stretch. And I had kind of resigned to myself, ah, I'm not going to make it. And Jeff Deaton takes mm-hmm. off. He says, come on, keep up, keep up. I'm like, I don't have the legs you do. Go ahead. So he t- he got about 50 yards out in front of me, 60 yards out in front of me. And I said, you know what? Don't be a weenie about this. Just pick up your wheels and go. So I picked up the pace. I'm looking at it. and looking at it. I get within about 300 yards of the finish line. I said, I have got to sprint now to make this. So I'm sprinting, a.k.a. nine-minute mile. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dead sprint in my mind. And I made it with like 52 seconds to go. Nice. nice. Got a sub-11. Nice. I did hear some people calling you out at the finish line. Oh, yeah. 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 Carrie Long was there. <laughs> Our buddy Carrie. <laughs> I do want to point out, by the way, Jeff, before we – there's there's a there's a moment I want to bring up that I, I – uh, kind of a touching moment I, I want to share. Um, but Jen Ridgely, who ran Yeti this weekend, she, right. she said that your Desitin trip oh, saved yeah. her feet. Yeah, 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 your little yeah. Desitin tip of covering covering your feet. Yeah, that, that race was pretty rough. Uh, Yeti, apparently, the first at least the first 12, 13 hours was nothing but rain. So Oof. the best foot care in the world is going to have problems with that kind of rain in I'm glad I'm glad it worked for. Her. Okay, so you finished, Jeff, and you got the you got the medal, which is this this really cool looking the Croix de Barque, the Croix de Barque, um, very cool looking, almost like like World War One medal. Looking, like, l- looking it should metal. have like Snoopy on it or something. It, it should, it should, it should. Um, you you did something different with yeah, your medal. Yeah, um, if you remember, I think early in our podcast we talked about a guy by the name of Francis Motes, mm-hmm. and he has uh, brain cancer. I'm not sure what stage he's at or where he's at. I know he's had operations on, on his head, and he's pretty much confined to home and in bed and that type of stuff. And I got to thinking about it. I actually got to thinking about while I was running down that hill, worrying about my time. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? what? You know, I'm blessed that I can run. How about I dedicate some miles and and some effort and this challenge to him and oh by the way i i know he's an ultra runner uh can't can't run now 
So I decided, well, I'm going to dedicate this race to him, and I'm going to send him that Croy. And I sent it to him, and he should should get that tomorrow afternoon. By the release of this podcast, yep. he should have that in his hands. Um, one thing is we've had uh, friends of Franny. That's what they call Francis. They call right. Franny. Uh, keep us up to date with with how he's doing. Yes. And, I, you know, I, I love this community because I know Franny's surrounded by people that absolutely love him and people that love him who yeah. came to meet him or, or know him via ultra running and to see the running community just surround Pulls together to help him out. Yeah. yeah. Help, help Franny and, and, and make a wish come true to, to, to run the Marine Corps marathon this year. Yep. Um, there was a modified Marine Corps marathon where Franny was pushing his, his wheelchair, um, and, and, completed. And, and completed that race. And so Franny, we've never actually shared miles with you on the trail, but you know, we, we think of you often. We really do. And, and everybody yeah. listening to the podcast, let's just donate this entire week's miles. Every mile we run, let's just do those miles yeah. for Franny. Donate. Give it to him. And let's, let's know that Franny would love to be with us and run, but he can't, so we're going to run for Franny. And Now, he still has his sense of humor, because I saw a post that was either, was either today or yesterday. He has a sense of humor. He listens to this podcast? Yeah. What? Yeah, I don't know what he's thinking, ah. but he was, he was complaining about his mom uh, making him eat his lima beans. So <laughs> I'm with you. I don't particularly care for those either. But, but I'll tell you what: if 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 anyone has the mental toughness, the just the overall toughness to beat this, yeah. it's you, Franny. And know that that Jeff and I think about you often. And um, when we release these podcasts, we hope that they they make you smile a little bit. And fingers right crossed, in that day, you are going to be back on the trails with all of your friends and hopefully we will see you at a race one of these days Franny but uh, that medal's for you so by the release of this podcast Franny you should have that medal and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode thank you Stafford you're welcome thank you Brown Towel Benny glad to be we here we need to get you a shirt that says that Brown Towel Ben <laughs> BTB <laughs> it's a great nickname uh, it, it is uh, it's deserved well deserved <laughs> we are 100% listener supported you can make a monthly pledge on our patreon page just search the adventure jogger on patreon or go to the adventurejogger.com join the community on facebook and instagram by searching the adventure jogger and subscribe to the adventure jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode 